Now, if these kids get wilder than you, come on. Shame on you. <laughs> you can get crazy in this place. Amen. Is anybody free? Do I have 20 free people here? Lord, do I have 20 people that are free in this place? Do I have 30 people that are free in this place? Do I have 40 people that are free? So you guys ready to worship God with all your heart and with all your might and with all the joy that's in you? Are you ready? Say yeah. Are you ready? Say yeah. Are you ready? Shout glory. Because we're stirring up deep, deep wells. We're stirring up deep, deep waters. We're going to dance in the rain. Jump, 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 because we're stirring up deep, deep wells, we're stirring up deep, deep water, we're gonna dance in the river, come on, crazy, dance in the river, we're stirring up deep, deep wells, we're stirring up deep, deep water, we're gonna jump, 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 we're stirring up deep, deep wells. We're stirring up deep, deep waters. We're gonna dance everywhere. Dance everywhere. We're stirring up deep, deep wells. We're stirring up deep, deep We're gonna shout. We're gonna shout. Shout, 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 shout. Deep cries out. Deep cries out. Deep cries out. joyful noise in this place. Make a joyful noise in this place. Hallelujah. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Come on, just talk to him right now. You know, uh, I posted a saying on Facebook, I believe it was last week, is you don't win today's games with yesterday's home runs. You know, last week we had a powerful service, and everyone here was impacted, amen? The man of God came, and he, he prayed, and he preached his heart out, and people were touched. But we don't win today's games with yesterday's home runs. So we're going to knock it out the park today with our worship. Amen? We're just going to knock it out the park. Hallelujah. So just reach out your hands right now. Just reach out your hands right now and say, Lord, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. <laughs> now just worship him and thank him. Thank you, Lord.
just hasn't captured you. You let the worries of this life, you let the things that happen to you, the circumstances, try to cut out the fire. And you've been so distracted that other things have captured your attention. And you had a calling on your life and you, you were living for God and 
you were doing what you thought was right, but then other things just came in the way. You need to declare right now to God. You need to pray this song right now to God and say, God, capture my heart again. I don't want to focus on that. I don't want to focus on this. I want to see your fire. And not only do I want to see it, I want to burn inside of it. Because it's better for a small fire to warm us than hell fire to burn us. So get close to the fire right now. Get close to the fire right now. Come on, lift up your hands right now. And say, Jesus, like we prayed before we started. Say, Jesus, I'm coming. I'm coming to the fire. Warn me, Holy Spirit. My heart again. My heart again. My heart again. My heart again. Say my heart. My heart again, my heart again, come on, sing it out, my heart again, my heart again, my heart
You know, if you have a hard time surrendering, if you have daddy trust issues because of whomever, whomever hurt you in the past, let me tell you about a good father. Let me tell you about a good father. His name is Abba, the good father. And he sends his son to rescue you, to pay a ransom to sin. Just embrace Abba right now through Jesus Christ. Come on, church. Come on, church. Just embrace the Father right now through Jesus Christ. Your neighbor needs to see you. Your neighbor needs to see you. Embrace the Father right now. Embrace Him. He loves you so. You've been lied to. He's not distant. He's close to you. Repent. Turn. See him. Full of grace and truth for you. For you. For you. For you. Yes, you. You're thinking me. Me. Yes, you. to break in this place there's a dam and it, there's about it's about to break anybody else sense that there's a dam and it's gonna break right now in Jesus name devil I say you loose these people devil loose these people right now loose them you have no authority here you lying snake you've been lying from the beginning and we cast you out of this place right now, now, believers, believers, believe. You that call yourself a believer, believe, believe now for freedom. Believe now for a church set free. Believe, believe. Come on, shout. Come on, praise him. Praise him. Yeah. There it is. The dam is breaking. The levy is breaking.
keep singing the fire of God, if you could continue that song, Ishmael. I don't want to lose what we just had in this place. See, Ishmael felt something, and it was very real, and I was feeling the same thing. There was things up. There was blocking happening, and I believe it was the devil lying to some of you. But we want to get back to that place. Let's get back to that place. Let's not lose that heart of praise right now that we have for Jesus. Let's not get quiet now. Let's get loud. Let's say we worship you. Fire of God. Jesus! 
Hallelujah, Lord. We thank you for your presence. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you have given us greater feelings than we could ever feel out there in the world. We thank you that we can experience your presence. We thank you for the fire that burns, oh God, deep inside of our bellies. Hallelujah. We love you, Jesus. Have your way. Continue to have your way throughout this service. In Jesus' name, if you could say amen. Amen. You may be seated. At this time, I want to release the children's to the children's area. The children's. The children. <laughs> Good morning. I could just stay. I, I kind of want to go back. I could just stay in that place. Just feeling that fire. Feeling the presence of the Holy Spirit. See, he promises you greater life than anything you can get out there. And we just experienced that here this morning. His presence is so real. And when his people say Jesus, his ears come. He listens. They're speaking. They're talking to me. My name is Lauren Sienski. I'm one of the pastors here on staff with MPI. And I just want to preach the gospel to you this morning. There are some people in this room that are saved that have believed and confessed that Jesus is Lord and they are going to heaven and there are other people in this room if you do not believe you stand condemned there is a heaven and there is a hell and when we die there is an afterlife we will go to one or the other and there are some here that are condemned but in John 3:17 it says for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. See, God's plan was not, he wasn't in heaven saying, I'm going to make a plan, send Jesus so that everybody in the world who doesn't believe could be condemned. That wasn't his heart. See, the verse before this says, for God so loved the world that he sent his son. It was love that motivated God to send Jesus Christ. It was love that said, hey, I'm going to make a way. I'm going to send my only son. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to part with Jesus, the second person of the Godhead. When we have perfect communion here, I am going to part with Jesus so that he can go and save the world, not condemn it. So if you stand condemned in this place, it's not God's fault. It's yours. Because his plan was to save the world through Jesus Christ. And that is the message of the gospel, that you can be saved today. That his blood that was shed on the cross is enough to forgive you of your sins and to give you new life in Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. If you could stand to your feet with me. If that's you in this place, if some of you feel that you are condemned right now, that you haven't received God's plan of salvation, if you have not received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, we're going to have some prayer workers. 
We're going to have Pastor Griselda and Andrew over here during our fellowship video. If that is you, please come and talk to them. They will pray with you. They will talk to you about discipleship and get you plugged in here. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your plan of salvation. We thank you that you loved us so much that you sent your only son into the world to save the world, God. You are not an evil God. You are a good God, and your plan for salvation is perfect, God. And I pray if there are anybody, any people here in this room that does not believe in Jesus, I pray that today would be that day that you, Holy Spirit, would press on their heart during this service and that they would choose you today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. You guys can clap. We're going to take some time to recite our confession of faith. If anybody needs a copy, can you raise your hand and our ushers will hand one out to you. I don't, there's a few here. But we say this every week, but it, this is our Christian worldview. This is what we believe. This is what we're going to stand on until the day we die or, or if the Lord comes back for this. We, were gonna, we are going to stand on this and we are going to believe it and we are going to shout it out and proclaim it in Jesus' name. So let's say it on the count of three. One, two, three. I believe in one God and creator who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father who so loved the world. The Son who purchased my salvation in his death, burial, and resurrection. And the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus who will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. I believe in the United Church of Jesus Christ, built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons, in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind. It is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. Amen. Go ahead and greet your neighbor. Give somebody a high five that you don't know. And if you need prayer, please come to our prayer workers.
So brother and sister in the Lord, if you're here at this church, let me tell you, God has called you to be a disciple. And so once you do this, you meet with one of the elders or deacons here at the church, you graduate, and you go on to the two-on-one class, Disciples That Make Disciples, all right? Because God wants to use you. He wants to train you up. This is training ground, all right? When you leave this place, that's the battlefield out there. So you're getting trained up and equipped to share Jesus, to impact the world around you. And lastly, the last part of our discipleship strategy is send. Somebody say send. Send. God wants to send you out all over the world, in the workplace, in your community, at your school, at your job, at home. He wants to send you out. And we have a goal of 100,000 disciples here in the city of Chicago, 50 churches here, and 500 all around the world. Come on, if you believe God is doing it, give him some praise. Amen. Please turn with me in your Bibles as we prepare to give our tithes and offering. Turn with me in your Bible to Proverbs 16, verse 3. We started a new section in the book on stewardship. This is lesson number two. Stewards are committed to God. And the scripture is Proverbs 16, verse 3. So we know that tithing is 10% of our total income, which is given to God. Anything we give after that becomes our offering. And so now we're learning how to be good stewards of that, the seed that's given to us. Everything in life, we are to be good stewards of that. So the definition of stewardship is wise management of everything God has entrusted us with. Wise management of everything that he has entrusted us with. If God has given us something, you better believe he expects us to be faithful, to take care of it, to honor him with it, right? And so it says here that stewards are committed to God. So if you want to be a good steward, first you've got to be committed to God, right? Proverbs 16, verse 3 says, Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. So point number one, to commit something to God literally means roll them over to his care. The picture in the Hebrew language is like someone giving their burdens to someone else to carry. Concerning your finances, we should roll them onto God because he is able to care for us. And let me share this right here. Sometimes we carry burdens we're not meant to carry. And I just want to encourage you, if you have this financial burden upon you, to roll it onto Jesus, all right? He says, cast all your anxieties onto me because he cares for you, right? He cares for all of us. So commit to the Lord your finances as you commit to him at your family, um, your work, your career, your education. Give him your finances as well. Don't carry that burden on your own. And then second, it says, whatever you do, we should commit everything in our life to God, not just salvation. Some people just give God the bad days, but we should entrust God with paydays, bill days, and everything in between. Amen? It says, and he will establish your plans. God wants to bless you more than you could ever imagine, but he will never do it at the expense of his kingdom. Therefore, ask God to bless your plans for his glory. Amen? Please stand to your feet with me this morning. Commit to him. Everything you do. Right now, specifically, we're talking financially. And I'm serious. That's a word for somebody. You've been stressed out. You don't know what to do with yourself. Commit to the Lord. May Ask God for wisdom. Put your financial budget before the Lord and ask him to meet you there. Be faithful in your tithes and offerings. And let's read this summary. It says, roll all your financial plans unto God and let him establish your goals and your dreams. Let him direct them. Let him say, hey, you don't really need to focus on this. You don't need to spend your money on this. Focus on this. Let him guide you in all that. And you say, I want to apply this in my life. How do I do it? Number one, be a faithful tither in giving your tithes. 
I'm sorry, be faithful in giving your tithes. And once again, that's 10% of your total income. And be faithful in giving your offerings, anything you give to God after that. God has given you a specific uh, offerings that you need to be giving. And so be faithful in that. Number two, entrust all you do to God's wisdom and commands. You know, don't lean on your own understandings. Trust in him. Be faithful because he's going to pour out his wisdom upon you. And number three, ask God to establish your financial plans for his kingdom. Amen. Let's recite this together over ourselves as we are good stewards. One, two, three. God has called us to be managers that are committed to stewarding whatever gifts we have received from him. We are to be wise, fruitful, faithful, trustworthy, multiplying, and shrewd stewards, living debt-free and generous lives, providing an inheritance for our children and our grandchildren. Amen. Here at MPI, when you give your 10% of your tithe, it goes to pay all the general bills here from internet to, to the utilities, to gas, to light, electricity, all that good stuff. Um, so that's tithing of 10%. Anything that you give after that becomes your offerings and you choose. If you got an envelope right now in your hand, you're just going to see it's, it says either missions or building. And you can circle where your offering goes to. And at the end of 2014, we're taking a trip to the Philippines. <laughs> yes, and it's powerful. And God's going to use it in mighty ways. We're going to go out have evangelistic outreaches. We're going to go do discipleship training with other pastors and just help in any kind of relief work that we can do. And God's going to use your offerings to do that. So be faithful in that. Amen. So let's recite this scripture together. Acts 20. Who knows it? Acts 20, 35. The Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for who you are, and we thank you that every burden that we carry, you, you tell us to commit to you, to cast it unto you, dear God. I pray that everything in, in this place that, that, um, financially financial plans would be committed to you dear God because you have a better plan you have wisdom to pour out upon your people father in Jesus name I declare blessings over each and every individual in this place dear God and I pray for faithful givers dear God generous givers into your kingdom in Jesus name we pray and everybody said amen please come up as you give thank you Amen. If you feel alive this morning, can I get an amen and a woo-woo? Welcome to Metro Praise International. I'm Pastor Joe, your friendly neighborhood pastor, dropping in like it's hot, having fun today. Man of God in the back, let's give it up for Ellie taking care of business, D -D 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 DJ Ellie Hernandez. Would you put up today's message? Because he's going to be working it and twerking it today like you have never seen or heard in church. That's right, working it and twerking it, dropping it like it's hot. Yes. Okay, now, before we get into this message, because I think some of you all saw it on Facebook that I'm going to be dealing with false prophets today. Did anybody get a little excited? Did anybody get a little nervous? A little scared? Well, what I want to do is I want to take a panoramic photo 
of just the most silliest, craziest face. So don't be normal right now. Okay, so be crazy. Be Metro Praise-like. And then I want to post it on Facebook, and I want to say these folks weren't afraid to hear it and hear it raw and in your face, okay? Now you're all going to be like ducking, like, I ain't come for that. I came for a help me be a millionaire sermon. Are you all ready for this? Just make a crazy face. Make crazy face. Make crazy faces. Crazy face. Crazy face. Crazy faces. Crazy face. I almost got your backside right there. Yeah. Did I get it? Did I get it? Oh, no, I didn't. No, no, I didn't. Okay, because some of y'all weren't even doing a crazy face. That's the problem. God wouldn't let it happen. I'm just kidding, by the way. God had nothing to do with it. Okay, are y'all ready for the crazy face? Here we go. Crazy face. Crazy faces. Hold on, what is it? Move iPhone. What am I doing wrong? Don't have me get one of the young people up here to do this because I thought I could handle this. I, oh, I got to do it on this side? Oh, that's right. The arrows. Thank you, Brandon. Brother, Brother B came with this brother all the way from Buffalo, New York. Old SUM friend. Give it up for Brother B. Came for the Chicago Legacy Conference at Moody. That's exactly what it was, BZ. He's very smart, too. He's a very smart guy. Here we go. Crazy faces. Crazy face. Does my lisp help you make you want to make a crazy face? Crazy faces. <laughs> My wife hates it when I make that noise, that, that lispy thing. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah, give it up for everybody. We did it. As messed up as it is, we did it. Okay. Open up your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 7. Somebody say false prophets versus true prophets. I didn't put it in the Bible. Jesus did. We're doing a sermon series called Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is teaching through Matthew 5, 6, and 7. We're going verse by verse, not skipping over even a letter or a word where, man, we're hitting it hard. And today, we are in the middle of one of Jesus' four warnings at the end. How many warnings does he give? Four warnings. When I preached last, we learned about the warning of what? The two ways. Anybody remember that? There is the narrow and the wide. Okay, today we're going to be learning about the two different kinds of prophets, false and true prophets. Next week we're going to be learning about what? The two kinds of claims. I know you, Jesus. And he's going to say, yes, well done and good faithful servant. Others, I know you, Jesus. Depart from me. I never knew you. Two claims, right? And then the week after that, we're going to talk about the two different builders, the foundations, summarizing all of his teachings. Are you going to take what he said and build your house on the rock like a man who is wise? Or are you going to be like a foolish person and just let it go one ear out the other and build your house on sand, your own ideas, your own opinions? Come say, Somebody say, ooh. Yeah, we're going to get there. So today, we're right smack dab in the middle of his, his warnings to us who have already heard the Sermon on the Mount. And let me give you the introduction. Hold your place there. Matthew 5, uh, 5 excuse me, Matthew 5, 15. Matthew 7, 15. I've got so many things on my mind right now. I'm already moving fast, and I confuse myself, and I confuse you. <laughs> Slow down. I think I'm going to be pulling out the stool today. How many want to see that? Will that make your fantasies come true? I've always wanted to see my pastor on a stool. 
I don't know if this helps or hurts. Some of y'all just, I lost you on that. So I'm going to stand right now. Fantasies come true later, okay? Go to the, uh, I know I'm just in that mood today. Go to the sermon series definitions because I want to summarize because I know we got a lot of new people here. The Sermon on the Mount, if you don't know what it is, everybody say Sermon on the Mount. Thank you. If you don't know what it is, longest portion of Jesus' teaching found in the whole Bible. So if you're like, man, I want to know what Jesus is about, read Sermon on the Mount. In there, he gives us the Lord's Prayer. In there, he talks about loving your enemies, forgiving those who sin against you. In there, he talks about turning the other cheek. Does any of that sound familiar? It's all in there. That's Sermon on the Mount. We're doing it verse by verse. The key component of this is he's talking to disciples. How many disciples did Jesus have? Twelve. Which one committed suicide? Judas. Which one betrayed him three times? Peter. Who was the one that preached the first day on Pentecost? Who's the one at the Last Supper that laid his head on his chest to hear his heartbeat? John. Who's the one that doubted him and said, I won't believe unless I touch your hands and your feet? Thomas, right? Who are the two sets of brothers? James and John and Peter and Andrew. You guys are good. Disciples are those who study, who are born again, study God's word and live it. Do I have any disciples in here? Amen. You're not just hearers, you're doers. Last thing, kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God. It refers to the same thing. Where is God? In heaven. So if I say kingdom of God, I'm referring to the place in heaven. If I say kingdom of heaven, I'm referring to where God is. Are you guys with me? It's the same place, just used in different words. The only reason why they use kingdom of heaven more often than kingdom of God is because the Jewish people revered God's name so much, it didn't even like to say it. So they would say kingdom of heaven, kingdom of heaven, as opposed to kingdom of God. But it's the same thing. The whole point of the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus is teaching us his kingdom principles. We're not going to do it Kanye West's style or Lil Wayne or LeBron James or Donald Trump. We're doing it Jesus' way, right? We're not handling our business the world's way. We're handling it whose ways? Jesus, God's ways. And so what does the kingdom of God mean? Today, God sends heaven to earth through us. In the Lord's Prayer, he says, we should pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Okay, so you guys get it? We're in the Sermon on the Mount. He's talking to disciples, and it's all about what? The kingdom of God or kingdom of heaven. Let's go to our scripture today. If you're ready, say I'm ready. Watch out. Come on, say watch out. Get preaching up in here. Say watch out. Look at your neighbor and say watch out. Woo! Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. Anybody ever date anybody like that? Hey. Anybody sit next to somebody like that? You don't know, do you? By their fruit, you will recognize them. So are we just supposed to say, oh, well, everybody just get along. Don't call out anybody. Everybody just get along. We're all about the same thing. No, it says, no, there's false prophets. You better beware of them. And you're going to recognize them by their fruit. Do people pick grapes, grapes from thorn bushes? Yes or no? I know we're in Chicago. We're not a farming kind of people here, but a lot of our ancestry came from farms. My Italian ancestry came from farms. Let's just think about it, Chicago folks, okay? Uh, do, you t- do you catch a train? No, I'm kidding. I was going to try to put it like that. Here we go. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes? No. Not a good idea. Likewise, verse 17, every tree bears what? Good fruit. Every good tree, rather, bears good fruit. A bad tree bears 
bad fruit. Thank you. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Look at verse 19. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into what? The fire. This is serious stuff. He's talking about false prophets. He says they're like trees. If they bear bad fruit, where are they going? Okay, hell. This is a serious message, right? Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. How many want to learn something today? You want to learn something? Okay, here's what Jesus meant by these words. Four principles we can get from the interpretation. Number one, false prophets. They're out there. You got to know they're out there. Not everything that glitters is gold. Not everybody selling you holy water really got holy water, right? Not everybody saying they're speaking in the name of God is speaking in the name of God. You have to know how to discern who is hearing from God and who is not hearing from God. There's false prophets. Number two, you recognize them by their fruit. You don't recognize them by how many books they sold, how good their smile is, how big their TV show is, how many of your friends and family love them. That's not how you recognize them. you got to discern and be smart and be a fruit checker. You've got to check the fruit. And the two ways we check fruit are Christian character and Christian doctrine. Christian character and Christian doctrine. If they're preaching and it sounds all good, but they got girlfriends on the side living polygamous lifestyles, they are lying to you about what they're saying. They are false prophets. But if they are telling to you the truth and then their fruit doesn't bear with it, then they are displaying an unchristian lifestyle even though they may be preaching the right doctrine. Because let's say I'm preaching the right doctrine today, but I'm not living it. That's a problem too, right? Lies are a problem. The false doctrine and the ethical standard is a, is a way to recognize them. Number three, bad trees get thrown into the fire. So when we start listing off false prophets who have already died and gone before us, if they did not repent of their sins, where are they today? And where are those who follow their teachings today? According to Jesus, right? He didn't say they get cut off of the branches and then get set up as a beautiful display at somebody's wedding. Like I was at an awesome wedding yesterday. There's like little flowers in the middle. No, God doesn't say I take little false prophets and use them to decorate my kingdom. No, false prophets get cut off and thrown into the fire. That's the same Jesus that said he loved you and he came to die for you. The same Jesus said that. And then lastly, you got to follow the good prophets. You've got to look for the good fruit so that you can be fed and be made whole. Do you believe there's good prophets upon the earth? People that speak on behalf of God know God's word. You can trust them. They have the right doctrine and the right lifestyle. Do you believe you're in a church like that today? Amen. I got 10 different groups, categories, people I want to talk to you about. I'm going to go through them all at once, and then I'm going to slowly go through each one of them. The 10 biggest false prophets in our culture today, I think I got them up here. Number one, Roman Catholicism. We're going to show you why Roman Catholicism has a pope that is a false prophet, the history of that church. And, and let me just, let me back up and say this. I got some of y'all looking at me a little, like, like about ready to get offended, okay? First thing I want to say is, did you not get the Facebook post? That's the first thing. Because the Facebook post pretty much told you how it was going to be. Can you scroll down? Let me just, just show them the little, the little picture I got there. It pretty much showed you what we were going to be talking about. Yeah, that's what we were going to be talking about. And then scroll on down a little bit more. This is a little mime or meme I made right here just for Facebook, and like three people liked it. It's lame. I don't understand. Like I show a picture of my family. Like, like, you're awesome. I talk about heaven and hell and the gospel like three people, and it's my wife. Yay! That's my husband. He's going to preach. Come on. See, I just leave this up here as I just share. Okay, let me back this up before I name these ten right here. Three things I want to share before I name these ten. The first thing is I, as a preacher, I'm doing my best to love you 
as Christ loves you. I'm trying to do that. So everything I say today is, is not from, I'm telling you, it's not from a heart of judging or trying to put people down. I'm just looking at fruit and saying, watch out for these things. Do you remember when we went through the Lord's Prayer and we prayed and we went through each one and I helped you how to pray? You remember that? Like you trusted me then, right? And then remember we talked about forgiving enemies and, and, I, and I told you we got to forgive our enemies and you trusted me then. I'm asking you to trust me now until I prove myself to be wrong. Test me by the word, but until I prove myself to be wrong, give me some leeway here, okay? That's the first thing. The second thing is there's probably not anybody here that doesn't have people on this list that we know and love. Everyone's going to have people on this list, everybody, and that doesn't make it right. So I want you to put yourself in somebody else's shoes. When I say to you Buddha is an idol, that Buddha statue, or Harry Krishna is an idol, most of us here go, oh, yeah, that's an idol. But we don't think about the people who were brought up in that culture who were taught to worship that as a god, right? So when I say to you, Catholicism teaches about idolatry, some of you are going to get real defensive. Go, well, my mom didn't tell me that. My grand you're going to get real defensive, but you're not understanding. Could your mom or dad or grandpa have been wrong? Just like the same way they were wrong to worship idols? Could, could they be wrong? And let me give you an example about tradition and how it works. Because most of us come into this world into a traditional family of religion. Like this is how you're going to be raised. This is what you're going to believe. But at some point we've got to make our own decision. Are you with me? So there's a, there's a story that talks about tradition and how, how it works. And I think it will help you right here. Imagine a, a, a mother is cooking a, a, a ham for, for Thanksgiving. And as she's cooking that ham and getting ready to put it in the oven, she cuts off two big chunks off each side. And then she puts it in the, ham, uh, in the pan and then she puts it in the oven. Now, imagine her daughter watching this going, Mom, why did you cut off the ends of the ham to put it into this pan to, to cook it? And she goes, well, you know what? I don't really know. Uh, you got to ask your grandmother because she's the one that taught me to cook hams like this. So it's like a family festival, you know, every, uh, you know feast, whatever. Everybody's there. So granddaughter, go ask grandma. She goes over there and says, Grandma, why do you cut off the ends of the ham? And then grandma says, because our pans were too small and we couldn't fit the ham in there, so we cut it off to make it fit. Somebody say tradition. See, the mother kept cutting the ham a certain way just because mother had cut the ham a certain way. But she didn't know why she was cutting it that way anymore. Some of you were raised to believe in things, and you're like, well, why do we believe in the mother of Guadalupe? Because my mother taught me about the mother. Well, why did she believe? Did anybody ever stop to ask, where did the Bible say about the mother of Guadalupe? Did anybody stop to say, well, I go and confess this, and I'm just picking on the Catholics, but it's all going to be your Islam, everything. Did anybody stop to ask, where did that come from? Let me give you another quick example on tradition. So they did this study with, with uh, primates, with, with apes, because they're somewhat intelligent and they can pick up things. And they put uh, a banana hanging from the top of their cage and put electrical wires in it. And that electrical wire ran actually through the whole cage. So if you touch the banana, you would not only get electrified, but everybody in that cage would get electrified. So they had about five monkeys in there. And the first one gets up, touches it, zaps, gets zapped, and every other monkey gets zapped. Then for this experiment, what they do is they removed that monkey out out of the cage and they put in a new monkey this monkey had never seen someone grab that banana now as he gets in there he's like banana he goes up to grab it all four of the other monkeys what do they do jump on him and go you know don't don't do that don't do that and then what they do is they begin to replace one monkey with a new monkey 
every so often until now all the monkeys in there have only been trained not to touch the banana because other monkeys told them not to touch it. And then guess what they do? They flip off the electricity. Now there's no penalty for touching the banana, and the banana will stay there and nobody will touch it. Because one person told one person, told one person, told one person, told one person, and why aren't we touching the banana? Why, 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 you know, who's going to stop and ask why? We got to stop and ask why. We got to stop and ask why are we cutting off the ends of the ham? Why are we doing this? So we don't just want to take tradition. We want to take God's word. Amen. So the first thing is I love you. The second thing is let's just not go on tradition. And then the third thing is this, and I want everybody to hear me today. Please hear me today. If something was true and it offended you, would you rather be offended and know the truth or be content believing a lie? So imagine if you went to a doctor, so put me in the place of a doctor. I will be getting my, my doctorate, Lord willing, this next winter. I've gotten my master's. That means I have, will have gone to school eight years outside of uh, high school, college, collegiate degree, right? So imagine, but if I did that for physical, uh, you, know, like a, you know, like a general practitioner doctor, and I did that. If you came to me and, and you said, oh, I got a little pain right here, you know, and I start poking around, take x-rays, and I find out, like, you have pancreatic cancer or you have something serious on the inside, would you want me to come to you and lie to you so you can stay comfortable and go, dude, you're good. Your body's good. Don't worry about it. Well, I, got, I still feel it, though, Joe, Dr. Joe. I still feel it. No, you're fine. Just take some Tums. Go on about your day because I don't want you to get upset. I, you know, would that, would that be a good doctor? No, so today as a pastor, if I just keep talking about things you already know, Jesus loves you, Jesus loves you, Jesus loves you, and I just tell you that all the time, am I really being a good pastor? Because Jesus said, watch out for false prophets. So, so I have to say this even if it may offend some people. Now, right now as I'm talking to you, I'm going to my Facebook page, and I'm going to post up here questions from the sermon. Any question, you can pull out your phones in this church. We love uh, technology here. When I am preaching, if you have any questions, now I won't be able to be anonymous, you know. You could say, well, my friend asked me. And be like, okay, Bob, we, we believe you. Um, I'm putting up here questions from the sermon. Boop, boop. There we go. Anytime while I'm preaching, if you got questions, I'm going to look at it here, and I'm going to try to answer as many as I can. I can't promise to answer them all. That's why we do, do discipleship, and we're going to make sure we get to you one-on-one. -on -one. That's why we do that, that discipleship. But I'm going to do my best to answer your questions. Are you all ready for this? Let's go to the list. I'm going to go through them quickly now, and then we're going to go through them one by one. Roman Catholicism. Why? Because of the popes, the wars, the false doctrines that they teach. Islam, because Muhammad was deceived by a spirit a demonic spirit, the wars, the slavery, and the things that he denied about Jesus. Number three, Mormonism. Joseph Smith was proved to be a liar. He made false prophecies. It grew by polygamy, which the Bible bans in the New Testament. And he claimed that man could become a god and that Jesus and Satan were brothers. What more of an insult could you say about our Lord and Savior? Number four, Jehovah Witnesses. The man who founded that was also a liar, made many false prophecies, also scammed people out of their money. He translated the Bible to say what he wanted it to say. That's what they're carrying around today. It's an inaccurate version. We can prove it. And they deny Jesus' deity. 
said that he was just an angel. Oprah Winfrey stands for the voice of reason in our culture where they want to take a little bit of everything, a little bit of Deepak Chopra, uh, a little bit of this, a little bit of, you know, this, and mix it all together. She has become a false prophet to this nation where people will believe her over a preacher like myself. Number six, Apollo Quibloy. There are people on our planet right now, about 20, who call themselves Jesus. Apollo Quibloy is the number one false Christ on our planet with over 4 million followers in the city of where we'll be doing our Filipino mission trip. So I want you to be aware of him. He has over 4 million followers, and it's coming over to our part of the country. And I want you to know that this false Christ is, is exactly that, a deceiver. Number seven, there are gay-affirming churches, churches that say it is okay to be gay, and they're ordaining the leadership, they're ordaining the people, and then by that leadership, they're saying it's no longer a sin. And because they're denying the ethics of the Bible, remember, it's doctrine and ethics, that the fruit, they're changing what the gospel is. Pro-abortion churches, can you believe it? There are actually churches that teach that abortion is okay. Pro-choice is the woman's body. Instead of protecting the woman's womb, these liberal churches, which have a lot in common with the gay-affirming churches, are also saying that abortion is okay. And then lastly, two honorable mentions, Joel Osteen and Joseph Prince, who I do not believe yet are false prophets. That's why they have an asterisk next to their name. But I do believe they have false teachings. And I'm going to warn you because their false teachings are coming into the church subtly and people are beginning to eat the bait not knowing there's poison in there. As you've heard this saying probably before, 90% of rat poison is edible food. It's the 10% of strychnine that will kill you. Now, you might say, well, pastor, who are you to call out all these people? I mean, you're just a little storefront pastor. Well, here's the first thing I want you to understand about this. What I have just listed out to you today Every major evangelical denomination that is a popular media today would agree with me. For example, Moody agrees with us. You understand Moody Radio. The people who support K-Love agree with this. The same people. The Southern Baptist Convention, the largest Protestant denomination in America, agrees with this. And the Assembly of God, the largest spirit-filled denomination in, a, in the world, 66 million members, agree with this. Are you with me? I have not introduced anything that is fringe. I have not. When I am going to point out to you, Joe Losey and Joseph Prince, you find, you, you go down and talk to the pastor of Armitage Baptist. You go talk to, talk to New Life Covenant, and you ask them if these two men are acting appropriately, and they will say, I disagree with that. Now, whether it's up to them, if they talk about it, that's up to them. But they'll say I disagree with it. And certainly all the eight above, every good Bible-believing church is with me. Are you, are you understanding that? I have not introduced my personal opinions. I am an apologetic pastor and a Bible college teacher. I'm telling you, I know what people believe. Southern Baptist, Moody Bible and Radio, James McDonald, all these people you can think of, as well as good churches today. So it's not just my opinion. Now, lastly, before we get into them, and you guys are going to get shocked because I'm telling you, it's not going to be like some big conspiracy, like, oh, I'm like, no, it's like really like obvious stuff that we never really probably got into before, right? You're going to be like, oh, my gosh, it's, it's going to blow your mind. Let me just say this. I challenge publicly any pastor, any pastor that believes in this church uh, or uh, in this city or in this area that believes any of those things to publicly debate me here on a Sunday. 
Okay? And we have debated Muslims. We have debated Mormons. We have debated other cults. We'll do it in our Sunday school, and then we'll preach the gospel. Amen? And we have done it. We're not ashamed. So if you can find a pastor, a leader, who says, oh, I believe in pro-abortion. I believe in this. Okay, say, my pastor would love to debate you. He'll treat you out to lunch. He'll pay your gas money. We'll do it. You can find a Muslim imam. We'll debate him. We've already done it. We put him up in a hotel, debated him here, dropped it like it was hot, and then preached the gospel. Are you with me? So I'm not just some little pastor like, oh, I'm just going to say this. No, I stand up boldly for it. Amen. And I double dog dare them to come challenge it. I double dog dare them. Amen. And by the way, thefalsekingdom.com is a website I'm devoting to the book I'm writing to expose Apollo Quibloy. We're going to poster up all in Deval City, a challenge, a debate to him, rent out a public uh, a meeting place. If he doesn't show up, we're going to blast his false doctrine, give out those books, and then put all of it on social media. Amen? Because he's a false Christ, and we love him. But he has to repent, or he'll split hell wide open and be thrown into the fire. Is that what Jesus said? Okay, let's start with Roman Catholicism. Do you know that they've added false teachings to the Bible that aren't even there? Would you click on that link? There's so many here. I can't go through all the links and all the different things. Here's a book that I wrote, Disciples of the First Disciples. It's online. You can see it for free. The links are on the website as well uh, for this notes. Everything is here. You guys can check it up and fact check. So like I said, prove me wrong if you can. But if you look at Roman Catholicism today, you see candles. You see veneration, worship of angels and saints. You see the mass, the worship of Mary. Where did all that stuff come from? Did you ever wonder? Did anybody ever ask? Why are we lighting candles? Why are we praying to Mary? Well, because over time they began to introduce this stuff. Do you remember when the, uh, did anybody study where purgatory came from? It was from Pope Gregory in 593. So what you're going to find out very simply as you study Roman Catholicism, false prophets came along and told people, let's, let's light some candles up in this thing. Well, Peter never did, but I'll give it a try because I'm the next line, in, I'm the next pope, I'm the next supposed Peter. Well, let's have priests dressed differently. Let's have priests dress up like mothers in flirly colored dresses and call them father. Well, when did that happen? Well, that happened around 500 A.D. Now, what does the Catholic Church say at this point? Because we're not just going to beat it up. We're going to give them some, some, you know, some uh, honest criticism. Well, what they'll say is, well, you see, you Protestants, you say that the revelation of God stopped at the book of Revelation. But we believe revelation continues through the bishops of Rome and through the leadership of the church. We believe in progressive revelation. Now, do you want to even, does anybody know the last major doctrine the Roman Catholic Church said? Scroll all the way down. I don't have time to get into all, kissing the Pope's feet, the rosary, all that stuff came up here. Okay. Do you know that in 1950, somebody say 1950. 1950, they got together and said, hmm, what happened to Mary? Well, Mary died. No, 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 that, that's not good. That's not good for business. We got to come up with a better story than that. Well, Maybe she ascended to heaven like Jesus. Can we find it in the Bible? Of course we can't. But we'll just tell it to the people. And you think I'm kidding. Look it up. In 1950, after 2,000 years of church history, never believing this doctrine, the Roman Catholic Church, we have an announcement. Mary ascended to heaven. I actually debated a Roman Catholic when I used to do an online uh, radio show. I, I, I said, show me this in the Bible. He pointed to a scripture in Revelation. It was the most weirdest thing. I said, you have got to be kidding me. You just can't just make up stuff in the Bible and point to it. You know, this is how that doctrine spread. Now, 
It's not just false teaching. It's also the lives of the popes. Now, today you may look at a Western-style pope. Of course, we know he doesn't come from the West. But see, the Roman Catholic Church, and go to this links that I showed you to, to go to. Um, we look at popes today through the eyes of America and the West, and everything's cool and calm, and we're, we're in lands like Europe and America where there's freedom. Guys, guys, do you think that's where Roman Catholicism thrived at? Somebody say the Dark Ages. Oh, my gosh, they were pimping popes in the Dark Ages. Y'all don't even believe me. Y'all don't believe me. Pope Benedict the Ninth. See, now here's the thing. Let me just point out right here, okay? Sometimes when I debate with people and I'll show them a Wikipedia article, and they're like, oh, my God, Wikipedia. Come on, that's just not true. Listen, do I have time to ask you guys to buy 50 books in this church today and we're all going to read it? No, just if you think Wikipedia is wrong because they quote from the Catholic Encyclopedia, show me where it's wrong. Do you guys get what I'm saying? Prove me wrong. Pope Benedict IX was referred to, uh, was referenced for many vile adulteries, unspeakable acts. You know what he did? Sodomy, bestiality, and sponsoring orgies. I just, I just don't know if y'all believe me right now. See, but anybody ever research Pope Benedict IX? Did anybody research these other popes right here? This man right here, Pope Paul II, had right here, believed to die while engaging in sodomy. So y'all don't want to hear that. Does anybody want to hear this? I mean, we got to talk about false prophets. Now, if you want to prove to me, and there's books that try to get around this, I know what the Catholic response is to this. You know what their Catholic response is? You can go on a Catholic encyclopedia. You could talk to your priest or if your friend's priest, whatever. This is exactly what they're going to say. Priests, were, uh, the popes were men just like us. They sinned just like us. Hey, we had some bad times back then, and it's okay. Because, you know, that's what they say. I mean, this guy was vile. He, he did bad. They're going to admit it, but they're going to say, hey, we're all not perfect. You know, look, look at Jimmy Swagger. Look at these Christian guys. Look at all they did. Can I tell you the difference between that? We're not claiming to be Christ's vicar upon earth and the only one who can speak perfectly for the only one church of Jesus Christ. So if I see one of my friends fall into adultery, I go, well, that's, that's bad for him, but I'm still serving Jesus Christ. But if you're walking around here less kissing your ring, you're making holy edicts thinking that you're God upon earth, basically. You're acting like that, and then you start having sodomy, bestiality. I ain't got no time for you, baby. And as a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, this will blow your mind, because this is all in the Bible. I, just, I, mean, I wish I could just keep you here for four hours, but then you wouldn't like me and you wouldn't come back, okay? So i got to keep it like short and sweet and to the point. One of the reasons why Islam spread so fast the way it did was because of the Roman Catholic Church like this. When did Islam come about? Late 6th, 7th century, uh, late 7th and 8th century, in the 800s, 900s. This is why it's coming about. Why? Because you've got popes seizing control in the thousand right here. This is the time period of the beginning of the Dark Ages, and these guys start fighting, over each, uh, fighting for power, not righteous wars, in uh, unrighteous, wicked wars. Are you guys with me? Let's go back to the notes, please. Do you also know that the Roman Catholic Church killed Christians? I'm not talking about they killed people in a war, like defending their land. They killed people who translated the Bible out of Latin. John Huss, William Tyndale. These men were persecuted. Some of them were burned alive at the stakes. Did anybody here ever see Braveheart? Does anybody remember what happens at the end of Braveheart when he gets his entrails taken out of him? Who was doing that? The priests. Have you ever heard of the Inquisitions? They actually created torture devices to kill the heretics. 
So my friends, when you see your friend today going to a Catholic church, that's not at all what they're going to. They're going to a tradition of a tradition of a tradition. They have no idea where this church came from, no idea where its doctrines came from. And that's why, like Jesus, we love the people, but we don't like the doctrine. We love the people. We love them. Amen. My uncle is not torturing and burning Christians at the stake because they translate the Bible out of Latin. But my uncle supports and goes to a Roman Catholic church that was built upon false prophets and false teachings. That's how serious it is. Now, once again, you may say, well, that's hard for me to hear. But when I start talking about Islam, notice the difference. Notice the difference. Most of you will easily go down that road of exposition of Islam. Why? Because you don't have really any personal attachment to it. But now the person who was Islamic, who was listening to the Roman Catholic, maybe by way of video, they're like, oh, yeah. Because that's how Roman Catholics, I mean, that's how Islam attacks us. They go, you guys were this, and you guys were this, and you're pagan like this. You know, so they would have loved that part. But now the Islam guy's going to go, hey, back off. But now that you don't have this as a part of your life, you're going to go, well, come on, this is easy. This is obvious. Muhammad missed God. But you see, it's only obvious to you because you're not in it. Pride is always easier to see in others than it is to see in you. The thing about deception is it's so deceiving. It's so deceiving. Islam, Muhammad was demonized. Who did Muhammad claim to meet in a cave that gave him the teachings, what we now know as the Quran? Who did he say he met? Gabriel. Could that have been the angel Gabriel? It couldn't have been. Why? Because the angel Gabriel never would have choked him and made him suicidal. In the hadiths, and I wrote a book on Islam, it's in the back, so this is not a naive pastor talking, and I as well has debated, debated Muslims. The Quran and the Hadiths, the life of Muhammad, paints the picture of a very tormented man who was suicidal, who tried to throw himself off a cliff, who claims that when the angel came, it choked him. When I hear that as a Christian, that doesn't sound like anything in my Bible. That sounds exactly like the demonic spirits of the times before. And do you not know that Galatians, which came 500, see a lot of times people think it's like Christianity and Islam. No, 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 no. Islam came in the 700s, 700 years after Jesus. And the book of Galatians says, the apostle Paul says, do not receive a message from another, from, from an angel, if it tells you another message. And then he said, angels can even appear, or excuse me, demons can even appear as angels as light, of light. Is everybody with me? Paul said, don't listen if you see an angel telling you to believe in something that's not true. And then guess what? Demons can even appear as angels. So what do I think Muhammad saw? I think he saw a demon. Why? Because how did Islam begin to grow? They began to grow through wars and slavery. Just click on the slavery there for me. Do you know that Islamic slavery still exists today? I remember growing up with the, the, the rap, hip-hop community, and Islam was getting real you know, cool with those guys. And they'd be like, to the east, my brother, to the east. What? To the east, my brother, to the east. You know, like, we're going to go back to Africa. We're going to be Muslims. We're going to go back to where we were respected. Hey, what do you think's going on in Sudan right now? Black Muslims oppressing black people. What do you think's going on in Iraq right now? Iraqi Muslims blowing off the heads of Iraqi non-Muslims. Islam doesn't care about your race and especially about the African American. I'm not trying to say America is free from its horrific slave trading, don't get me wrong, but don't point to another worse demonic religion that actually had it as a part of its code and say that this is a better thing. No, 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 no. Christianity teaches turn the other cheek. So if somebody beats you up in the name of Jesus, they didn't listen to Jesus. 
In Islam, if you kill, you're following Muhammad. I'm going to show you. Y'all don't believe it. That's okay. That's okay. Scroll up. Scroll it up. Pause, 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 pause. Where are we going here? Here we go. Quran 23, Surah 23, 5, 6. Who abstain from sex except with those joined to them in marriage or bond or the captives whom your right hand possesses? Muslims, you can't have sex with the other Muslim wives, but you can have sex with the women you possess. That ain't no Old New Testament for them. That's today. You saw Boko Raham. In, in Nigeria, take those women, sell them off. That's not being unlike Muhammad. That's being exactly like Muhammad. Do you understand the difference? People can do bad things in the name of Jesus, but you go back to Jesus to correct the story. When people do bad things in the name of Islam, they say that's extremism. No, that's as real as it gets. Ask any person who studies Islamic history. The most true religion, uh, the most people, the people who are the most true to Islam today are the terrorists, are the ISIS, the Boko Haram. They are the most like Muhammad. Let's scroll down a little bit right here. Uh, Quran 424, in case you didn't get it. All married, uh, Surah 424, all married women are forbidden to you, save those captives whom your right hands possess Quran 24 32 and marry those among you who are single and those who are fit from your male slaves and your female slaves so you want to talk about slavery America and the European nations got involved with it for a few hundred years these guys have been doing it for almost 1500 years and they're still doing it today ever heard of Somalia ever heard of Sudan still enslaving their people. And we have Filipino people, and I don't want to put them on the spot, but it's already known that in Dubai they are bribing sex trafficking the people from the Philippines to come work in these rich Islamic nations and then taking away their passports and they're being stuck there. There are crimes being committed against the people of the Philippines right now. You can say, well, I don't know if I believe that. Research it. Research. Let's go back to the notes. I'm giving you something to think about. I thought we were all the same. I thought we all should just get along. We should. But while we're getting along, we should tell some people that they're wrong and need to repent and come to Jesus. Let's go back to these notes. Islam, I believe he was demonized. Wars and slavery. And then he changed the meaning of who Jesus is. Let's say your mom was a great cook. Does anybody have some moms here that are great cooks? Imagine if someone came along 600 years later and said, your mama couldn't even cook grilled cheese. Your mama couldn't even boil water. If somebody said that about your mama 600 years from now, you'd be like, you know, you know obviously you wouldn't be alive, but somebody would be like, you don't know my great, 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 great grandma. She could throw down. Prophet Muhammad comes 700 years after Jesus says that an angel is speaking to him, and now he tells everybody in the Quran, y'all got Jesus wrong. Guess what? He ain't the son of God. Allah has no sons. Guess what? He didn't die on a cross. God took him to heaven before he got killed. But God made somebody else look like him, probably Judas, to die in his place. They, they deny the cross. They deny that Jesus is the son of God. And then guess what? Jesus, guess what he was? A prophet of Allah, a Muslim. He said to his people, Follow Islam as I follow Islam. Doesn't it make you wonder? 
How many of you would try that today if you could get away with it? Maybe going to a bank about the Rockefellers. You know, they were alive a couple hundred years ago. They still got a lot of money circulating around. And you just go, excuse me, banker. Is this where all the Rockefellers keep their money? Yep, yeah, it is. Okay, let me tell you. Well, the main Rockefeller, he just came to me last night in a dream, and this is what he wanted me to tell you, to give me all of his money. Do you think that you could get away with it at a bank? But you know what Muhammad did? He changed who Jesus was to fit who he was so that he could oppress his people. Let's go on to number three. Every now and then, if somebody has ever studied this, can say an amen, it would feel good. Just, just if you know you have studied it. You don't, if you don't study it, you don't have to fake it till you make it. But if anybody knows what I'm talking about, can I hear an amen? It's lonely up here right now. Mormonism, number one. Do you know who Joseph Smith was? Joseph Smith was a young man who said that when he was in the woods in New York that he saw a vision of God, and God told him that all the churches of that time in the 1800s were all false. That's how it starts off. So Mormons pedaling their bikes, trying to be your buddies. Their prophet said, your church, every church that's ever been around is a false church and that God wanted him to start a new church. But he doesn't know how to do it. So what does God do? God has him dig up a buried book that came from people who lived thousands of years ago. And the story of that book is called the Book of Mormon. And it's made on golden tablets. And it's in Egyptian hieroglyphics. But he can't read Egyptian hieroglyphics. So God gives him a pair of magical glasses to put on so he can read the golden book of magical story or stories. Then what does he do with it? He destroys it. And then now you have the Book of Mormon. And what is the claim of the Book of Mormon? That when the Jewish people were being oppressed during the Babylonian captivity, they left Israel, came to America, that became the Native Americans, and they began to establish civilizations. And when Jesus was, was in the grave, or, or rather when Jesus raised from the dead and he was around Israel for 40 days, he actually came over to America and preached the gospel to the Native Americans. And everybody's forgot about it for like three or 400 years until they found the golden tablets. But there's people who believe that. Why? Because their mom believed that, and their mom believed that, and their mom believed When I debated a Mormon, it's, it, was, it, was, it was almost comical, but my heart breaks for him. Are you guys listening to me? I don't want people to get thrown into the fire. So I said, would you debate me? And he said, yes. Yeah. So finally, I was like so happy because I've been asking Mormons to, to come publicly debate me, and they wouldn't. So finally, this missionary came, and we were set up here at the other church, but on the, on, on the stage. And it was him. And then I just started asking him, what about this? What about this? What about this? Some of you guys were here. I mean, they'll testify to you. He had three other friends with them. He was like, well, can I call up one of my other friends? I'm like, sure, bring him up here. The other friend comes up. Well, I don't know either. Can I call up my other two friends? By the time the debate was done, it was me with four Mormons, and all of them didn't understand what was going on except that they were being told lies in one sense. And I was just reminded of like the 300, you know what I'm saying? Like these Mormons intimidate you guys if you don't study. Like, oh, there's a Mormon, I don't know how to answer him. But you get one Christian that knows his word, he could take on like a whole lot of them and teach them the truth. Don't be intimidated by what they say. Know what you believe, amen? But then he wouldn't let me put up the debate. So all you have is my first statements that I'm making, and then they wouldn't let it be recorded. Was anybody there at that Islamic debate? Look around, they'll tell you about it. I mean, a Mormon debate. Was anybody at the Islamic debate? Amen. That was fun. Let's do it again. 
So he says this, and then he makes false prophecies. You know, one of the false prophecies that uh, Joseph Smith said, let me get a few of them out here. Oh, matter of fact, click on it. He said that Jesus would come back in 56 years. Both him and Charles Taz Russell of Jehovah Witnesses loved predicting the end of the world. They loved it. They kept uh, telling people, oh, it's going to end, it's going to end. You know why? Because you get more cheddar when you tell people that. Hey, man, sell your cow. Why? Because you ain't going to need it in 10 years. And then all of a sudden you see how much they amass in wealth. It's because they lied to people. He said that Jesus was going to come back in uh, 56 years. He said that the temple that Jesus would come and build would be within his lifetime, that all the nations would be involved in the civil war, et cetera, et cetera. So when you look at Joseph Smith's life, he was a liar. He made false prophecies. Do you know how uh, Mormonism grew? By polygamy. Anybody ever heard of polygamy? That's the next thing coming, by the way. First it's same sex, now it's multiple partners with, with the opposite sex, and then it's going to be polyamory, just mixing it all together. Three guys, three girls, we love each other, and this is a happy family. We've always been saying it's called the, the slippery slope. The homosexual agenda at the very beginning said, oh, don't listen to those fundamental Christians. All we're doing is asking for two people who love each other to get along and raise a family. And we're like, no, once you redefine marriage, it all goes out the door. And guess what? The same way the homosexual movement brought in their propaganda is the same way the polygamists are bringing their propaganda. Reality shows, TV shows, entertainment, and just normalizing it so you're just like, well, that makes sense. Why can't a dude have ten wives, right? Somebody may say, well, they did it in the Bible. Yes, there are things we did in the Old Testament that Jesus said we don't do anymore. He said that was for a season. So I'm not trying to deny it. Yes, I admit that there were people in the Bible that were polygamous and did different things. But Jesus came and said, now this is what's up. So if you're going to use my Bible to prove polygamy, you're a liar, Right? Call yourself a new religion. Don't call yourself a Christian. Don't be coming with your Bible and your Book of Mormon. Just set down the book, uh, the Bible and just have your Book of Mormon then because you ain't going to put Jesus on this. Amen? Right. Joseph Smith had over 30 wives. The second one that came after him, Brigham Young, had 50 wives in the 1800s. Can you all believe this? 30 wives, 50 wives. Do you know that 20 to 30 percent of all their wives had husbands that were still alive and they just said, uh, excuse me sir, uh, your wife is supposed to be my wife. Yep, the youngest one was 14 years old and he was in his 50s, Joseph Smith. People know this. Mormons know this. That's why when you talk to Mormons like this, they get all nervous. They go, uh, yeah, yeah, we used to do that stuff but we don't do it anymore. And then you're like, that's your prophet though. How do you stop doing that? That's, I mean, when do I stop saying I stop loving my neighbor because, you know, Jesus said love my neighbor, but I don't do that stuff anymore. If your prophet was doing it, like, when do we stop? Well, we just don't do it. It's not right anymore. Where did it ever say in his writings? You go to the Pearl of Great Price. You go to Doctrines and Covenants. They carry four books with them if you've ever seen it. It's the Bible, Book of Mormon, Pearl of Great Price, and Doctrines and Covenants. It's all in there. It never changed. He never changed his mind. You know why they changed their mind? Because the American government stormed their places and said, if you don't stop doing this, we're going to shut you down. Do you know why they let African Americans into the priesthood around, seven, around 1970? It's because they were then being outed as a racist group that believed African Americans were black because they were cursed in heaven before they came to earth and they're children of the devil, literally, from Satan's spawn. Study the history and then what they believe of the races. Not even have time to get there. Now, once again, you may say, oh, well, there's a Christian that's believed that. Yeah, but we go back to the Bible and disprove what you're putting on Jesus. If what you're doing can be put back onto the words of your prophet, you have a false prophet. Does everybody get the difference? Go back to the notes, please. I'm running out of time, and I don't think y'all are having fun anymore. Jehovah Witnesses, Charles Taz, oh, yeah, they're, they're God doctrine. They actually believe they're going to become a God, Mormons. 
Does that sound like Jesus' teachings? Hey, guys, we're all going to become gods. This is, what, this is how it ends for them. They, and you can even ask them today. You can even ask them today. Do you believe in polygamy in heaven, though? Say, well, y'all don't believe in it now, but do you believe it in heaven? Yes. The, it's just like the Mormon. I, I talk, I've talked to two experts in both of the fields, and they, and they both said the same thing. Mormonism and Islam are almost identical in most ways. It's just a form of paganism with Christian and Judaic terms. Are you guys with me? Muslims believe you die, you go to heaven, paradise. It's like it's just like a, it's like an MTV video gone bad. I mean, it's everything you want up there, okay? And it's the same thing with Mormonism. You get up there and you get to rock and roll. Because here's the thing, as our God is now a God, that God used to be like us, a man. So there's Elohim. He has a wife. And how did he become a God? Because on a planet a long time ago, he did good things and became a God. Now, he's the God of our planet. And him and his goddess wife, they made love to a whole bunch of spirit babies. So Mormonism believes you're born in heaven through the sex of mother and father God before you come down here. That's why they believe the virgin birth wasn't just a Holy Spirit producing life inside of Mary. They believe Elohim had sex with Mary. Came down, get it on. Well, who are you? I'm Elohim. Well, I don't know you. I'm your God, baby. Let's get it on. Could you imagine that? The guy's leaving the door. Joseph comes around. Now, who was that? Don't worry about it, baby. That was God. You're saying I'm blasphemous. No, they're blasphemous. I'm exposing it. And therefore, they believe that Jesus and Satan are just brothers. Because Elohim and his wife made all these children. And then Jesus and Satan are brothers. And then God said, who's going to be the bad guy? Who's going to be the good guy? And then that's when it happened. And they be, Jesus became the good guy. Satan became the bad guy. Now we're down here all, according to them, earning our godhood. And if you get to do what's right, you get to have your own planet one day, have your own wives, make your own spirit children, and populate it. It's called the belief of, of ascension. Of, of exaltation, rather. Jehovah Witnesses, how many of you, I don't even want to take a survey right now, but I think some of you are just like halfway not even believing me. You're like thinking, oh, man, Pastor, so crazy. Man, this is crazy. Jehovah Witnesses, Charles Taz Russell was a liar, false scam, same thing like, like Jehovah Witnesses. The, the New World Translation, when you look at that Bible and they go, oh, this Bible is the right Bible. Do you know that no Greek scholar translated that Bible? You know, the original Bible is Greek, Hebrew, Aramaic. Are you guys with me? Nobody translated that that knew what they were doing. Charles Taz Russell on the court stand was asked to read Greek because he translated it to make it say what he wanted to. Basically, just like you, taking a Bible and rewriting. That's all he did. But he said he could read Greek. On the court stand, they give him Greek and say, read it, and he couldn't even read it. He was a liar. He also told people that he had miracle wheat. Miracle wheat, guys. If you buy my wheat, your farms are going to really do great. How, how many think that didn't work out too well, right? Who got all the money? Of course they did. Now today, you know what they say? And I, I'm telling you, man, we know all the arguments, so don't make like I don't know. Uh, we've challenged them. We've been. How many were there when we went over there to the watchtower there? Anybody remember when we used to go to the watchtower? A couple of you, five of you. Okay, anyways. Here's what they say. Same thing like Mormons. Well, we don't do that anymore. Well, this is the guy who started your religion. This is the guy who translated your book. The second one in charge, Judge B. Rutherford, guess what he did? He built a mansion in San Diego for what? For all the apostles to come back and live in. Do you think the apostles ever came back and lived in that mansion? Who do you think lived in that mansion? Okay. 
Number five, let's make it fun right now. Oprah Winfrey. Would you put up Oprah Winfrey for us right now? Now, somebody may be sitting here, well, Pastor, don't you mess with Oprah. Don't you mess with my Oprah. Now, let me just say this as he's getting the video ready for Oprah Winfrey. Oprah Winfrey, to me, is a sweet person, a nice person, the panel has been discussing a generous the person. Hold on, pause, baby. But this point in her life, you see she makes a turn. That are here. She's brought up Christian, and she tells the story. I got another video where she tells her story, and here it is basically like this. She's brought up Christian. She knows about God. She's starting to get successful. She's doing her thing, and then she goes to a church service, and the pastor's talking about God. My God's mighty. My God's awesome. My God's powerful. My God is a jealous God. And I'm just preaching like this because I think that's the way she described her church, but anyways, she could have been to a church like, my God is awesome. Turn to the next page. My God is cool. No, but, but she's like, a, my God. Somebody say, my God. You have no idea how bad I want to preach that right now, just like that. If I get somebody on the piano, I, we would just get silly up in here. But then she hears this. She tells the story in the other video. I just don't have to, It's an eight-minute video. I don't have time to play it. My God is a jealous God. And she goes, God is a jealous God? Why would God be jealous of me? If he has everything in the world, why would he be jealous? And she said at that point, she began to look at the Christian God as not the true God. Because God wouldn't be jealous. And as you're going to see here, God would not judge other religions. And then as you begin to see her change now from her Oprah Winfrey show to her Oprah Life classes, she begins to bring on new age teachers and philosophers to say God is within. We're all here. I, got all, I, got, I almost want to play the other eight-minute video, but it would take too long. It would take too long. Let's play this video right here, please. Let's get excited for Oprah. What did you do in church today? We watched Oprah. And I think this is when she kind of the panel has been changed publicly. The spirituality and the forces of God. But I also believe that there are two forces that are here with us. That we do have our, our, our God that we can depend on. But there's also a power of darkness that we do need to be aware of. And, and that's where the choice is. Do you believe that, that you can choose between one or the other? Most most absolute definitely. Yeah. Now, now Marianne uh, Williamson says in her book, Return to Love, that we're always walking in the direction of one or the other, that all of your actions in life, either you're moving toward the darkness or you're moving toward the light. Right. She calls it fear and love. There's this wonderful book called Ishmael by Daniel Quinn, which talks, it, which, which is, anyway, it's a gorilla talking, but anyway. <laughs> uh, it talks about one of the points it brings out is one of the mistakes that human beings make is believing that there is only one way to live That's and right. that we don't accept that there are diverse ways of being in the world that there are millions of ways to be a then human how do being you please and, God? and many ways no but many paths many to what you call God that and is her path crazy. might be something else and when she gets there she might call it the light but her loving and her kindness and her generosity brings her if it brings her to the same point that it brings you it doesn't matter whether she called it God along the way or not and I guess the danger that could be on that I mean it, it sounds great on the onset but if you really look at both sides I there could couldn't possibly be just one way what what about Jesus what about Jesus 
There is one way and only one way, and there that is through Jesus. Jesus. There couldn't possibly be with because a million people Because you say there isn't. There couldn't possibly be. Because you say, you intellectualize it and say there isn't. If no. you don't believe that, you're all buying into the lie. But that makes you right. Do you think, do you think that if you, if you are somewhere on the planet... If you're somewhere on the planet and you never hear the name of Jesus, you never hear the name of Jesus, but yet you live with a loving heart, you lived as Jesus would have had you to live, you lived for the same purpose that Jesus came to the planet to teach us all, but you are in some remote part of the earth and you never heard the name of Jesus, you cannot get to heaven, you think? And that is covered in the scriptures, too. People are talked about that. God knows the heart. Does God care about your heart or God care about if you call his son Jesus? Well, you know... Oprah, God, Jesus cannot come back until that gospel is preached in the four corners of this earth. So, you know, figure it out. Okay. Figure it out, Okay, Oprah. I can't get into a religious argument with you. It's not religion, Oprah. I'm done. Get into a religious I'm done. With you, I'm just here to take your money. I'm not here to talk religion with you. Good job, Oprah. See, people don't understand what they're buying into. The other video... The, immoral, the immorality, I mean, the woman's not even married and no children, but who does she minister to the most with her false prophecies? Married women with children. Like, dude, why, why are you listening to her? She's not married, doesn't have no kids, and you look into her as an example. Find somebody up in the church that got marriage and kids living for God and sit on their couch. Amen? We need to pray her back into the kingdom. And now she's promoting these new age teachers and these new age beliefs. And when you see Christians get on there, I am feeling sorry for these Christians because she's only using them to promote her belief. She believes in buffet spirituality, a little Jesus, a little Buddha, a little Krishna, and it all goes down good. Right? That's how she wants it. And that is not only for Oprah Winfrey, who I love and I'm praying for. Listen to me. I'm not an Oprah hater, but that is the voice of our generation. How many of you have had conversations like that at work with your friends, your neighbors? Come on, man. There's not only one way. You don't really believe that. I mean, that's so close-minded, right? Apollo Quibloid. Don't even have time to get into him. God bless you, Apollo. <laughs> Gay-affirming churches, pro-abortion churches. Look them up. Joe Losting, let's give it up for Joe Losting coming up here. Let's get a video for Joe. <laughs> do we, uh, we've do we had clap for ministers the on who said, I don't know. You record. <laughs> Here's Joe on Larry King. Let's see how well he does as a preacher. Basic 101 stuff. Let's see how he does. Heaven and hell. Who's going there, Joel? I think that's your job to know, uh, right? We've to had preach ministers on who said, Your record don't count. You either believe in Christ or you don't. If you believe in Christ, you are, you are going to heaven, and if you yeah. don't, no matter what you've done in your life, yeah. you ain't. Yeah, it's, I don't know, it's, there's probably a, a balance between, I believe you have to know Christ, but I think that if you know Christ, if you're a believer in God, you're going to have some good works. And I think it's a cop-out to say, well, I'm a Christian, but I don't ever do anything to well, help What anybody. if you're Jewish or Muslim and you don't accept Christ at all? You know, I, I just, I'm very careful about saying who and would and wouldn't go to heaven. I don't know. I think only God. Because you believe you have to believe in Christ. I so believe. They're, they're wrong, aren't they? Well, I don't know if I believe they're wrong. I believe here's what the Bible teaches. And from the Christian faith, this is what I believe. But I just think that only God can judge a person's heart. I've spent a lot of time in India with my father. And, uh, you know, I don't know all about their religion. But I know they love God. And I don't know. I'd have to, you know, I've seen their sincerity. So... I don't know. I just, I know for me and what the Bible teaches, I want to have a relationship with Jesus. But Phoenix, Arizona, hello. 
Hello, Larry. You're the best. And thank you, Joe, Joel, for your positive messages and your book. I'm wondering, though, um, why you sidestepped Larry's earlier question about how we get to heaven. Um, the Bible clearly tells us that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the light, and the only way that the Father is through him. That's not really a message of condemnation, but of truth. Yeah, I would agree with her. I believe that. So then that Jew is not going to heaven. No, I, I, I can't. Well, here's my thing, Larry, is I can't judge somebody's heart, you know. I don't know. Only God can look at somebody's heart. And so, I don't know. I just, to me, it's not my business to say, you know, this one is or this one isn't. I'm just saying, here's what the Bible teaches, and I want to put my faith in, uh, you know, in Christ. And I, I just, I think it's wrong when we go around saying, you know, you're not going, you're not going, you're not going, because it's not exactly my way. I'm just, I'm but not going to be the God. you believe your way. I believe my way. I believe my way with all my heart. But, For someone who doesn't share it, well, it is wrong, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, uh, well, I don't know if I look at it like that. I would, I would present my way, but I'm just going to let God be the judge of that. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. So you make no judgment on anyone? No, but I about atheists. No, I just, you know what? I let, I let someone. Let, I'm going to let God be the judge of who goes to heaven and hell. And I just, again, I present the truth, and I say it every week. You know, I believe it's a relationship with Jesus. But you know what? I'm not going to go around telling everybody else. If, if they don't want to believe that, that's going to be their choice. God's got to look at your own heart. God's got to look at your heart. And only God knows that. So you're getting paid to be a pastor, and you don't know who's going to heaven or hell. You don't know the gospel message. Now he's saying, I'm not going to judge people's heart. You're right. I, I don't know this, man. I don't know what's in your heart. You're right. I don't. But I know your confession. I know by what you believe. I can know by your fruit. Jesus said, watch out for false prophets. You'll know them by your, their fruit. Larry King's like, do you know anything, dude, beside the dollar sign? Like, do you, what do you know? What about an atheist? Well, I just don't do that. And that is the deception of Joel Osteen and his friend Joseph Prince, who I don't have time to get into it. But Joseph Prince believes once you've accepted Christ, you don't even need to repent of sin ever again. You're okay. Don't ever repent of sin. Even if you do sin, don't repent of it. And you can never lose your salvation. So what do you think that says to people? Live however you want to live. Now, this message may not have made you happy, but it has definitely informed you. And I did my best to preach on what Jesus talked about. Okay? Here's the application. We project false prophets, follow the Bible, and be a preacher of God's word. Turn in closing to 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 5. And if anybody is thinking here today, because I know there's maybe somebody like this, uh, Leilani, would you come, please, as you're turning to 2 Timothy 4. If you are thinking, oh, my gosh, this, you know, he just ran through stuff, and he didn't give me all the Bible verses. Do you have any idea how long it would have taken me to go through all these Bible verses? <laughs> like, do you, do you, it is almost 12 o'clock right now, and really all I did was just read the notes. I didn't get to expand on much. Are you guys with me on that? But guess what? There's an author who wrote a book that's in the back. And if you can't afford it, we'll give it for free, and it's online for free, where all the scriptures are there, all the scriptures. Well, praise God. And I gave you a lot of, uh, every time you click on those links, you're going to, especially uh, like Catholicism and all that, you're going to places where you can learn and see the scriptures from other online ministries. Tell me if you think we're in this time right now. Because Jesus said we need to be careful about false prophets. And they have, they have teeth that are going to raven, raven us and tear us apart. Tell me if you think we're in this time. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. 
Be ready and prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn away from the truth and turn aside to what? Miss. But you. Look at your neighbor and say, but you. Keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. I want to see if I can answer some questions in closing. Talk to one of our 101 leaders if you can, please. It looks like Ryan, you're the only one who asked a question. Wouldn't Joel Osteen's acceptance and support of supposed gay Christians and claim that there's more than one day to heaven qualify him as a false prophet? Um, yes, and he's getting there. I just haven't seen these uh, two things. I just saw him act like a coward. So the question Ryan's asking me is, hey, if he believes in other ways, is he a false prophet? Yes. And if he says people can be gay and Christian, I would say yes. But I think all he keeps saying there is, I believe in my way, I believe in my way, and I'm not going to judge their way. So once he comes out, which I believe he's right on that line, and says there is other ways, and if you can show it to me, that would be great, where he goes, there is, I know he affirms like Mitt Romney as a Mormon, but if he clearly says that, then he's over the line. But I have seen him say, I still believe in my way, because there's other interviews that he does. So I'm not going to, there are some that think I don't go far enough. You know, everybody's like, hey, this guy's a false pastor, you know, until there's nobody right except them, and I'm not that kind of guy. So I am trying to give a little more grace. Uh, and I would say to this, if any of you want good, encouraging preachers, just, just email me, Facebook me. I'll give you 20. I'll, I'll list them off to you. You know, like I said, Pastor of Armitage Baptist, New Life Covenant, uh, uh, James McDonald. You know, I'll, I'll give you a whole bunch. I mean, this is not the only option, okay? I think that's all the other questions. I guess everybody else agreed. You guys all agreed with everything? Something to think about, though, isn't it? Can I get some of the 101 leaders to come as you stand up? Would you guys all give uh, the Lord a hand clap? Not the preacher, but the Lord. Amen. We're trying to honor him. Band, would you come up, please? Elders, deacons, those who lead 101, would you come as well? I want to end this as, as encouraging as I can. Would you stand up with me as well now? Thank you, please. Oh. How many, how many think your pastor loves you this much? This much? How about this much? Do you think this was fun for me? Maybe it was a little bit. No, but come on. Dude, this wore me out. Why do you think I took the time to do this? Come on, just ask yourself. I mean, come on, just, just before we leave out here, we're going to focus on Jesus. Ask yourself this question. Why would Joe do this? Why would my pastor sit us down for an hour and point all these things out. Is it because I think I'm so much better than everybody else? I'm just trying to warn you. I'm just trying to warn you. I'm trying to take serious what Jesus said about false prophets. Now, I'm not saying this to put you down in any way because I know this. Listen to me. I know that most of you are going to spend 40, 50 hours, some of you 60 hours this week on your job. And you don't have time to do what I did, spend 40, 50 hours on that. But this is what I'm trying to say, is if you want to talk about it, 
We're not going to judge you for wanting to ask questions or talk about. It's okay even if you disagree. Come to some of the leaders up here. Go through the notes with them and say, okay, I have relatives that are Catholic, and that kind of hurt. Okay, click on the link. Who was Pope Benedict? Who did they claim Pope Benedict was at the time? It's real easy to look back now as a Catholic and go, oh, yeah, we're not down with Pope Benedict. What would it have been like to be in his church at that time when he says, I'm the vicar of Christ? You think that would have been fun? He was killing people, y'all. Or you may say, you know what, Pastor? I got Muslim friends. And you're telling me they're all about war and killing people? My Muslim friend is nicer to me than some Christians. That may be true. I'm not saying that he's not or her, she is not a nice person. What I'm saying is when they read that Quran, they're not really following what it says because the Quran calls them to jihad until the world is submitted to Islam. That's what the Quran calls them to. When you think, when you see those guys, Boko Haram, waving up the Quran, what do you think they're just, do you think they're making up verses? Just like I would call on you and say, love your neighbor, love your neighbor. They're reading verses out of the book. Submit and conquer the infidel. That's what they're reading. Take me too long to get into that. Or some of you might have friends that are in these cults, and even me just saying it's a cult, like, oh, it makes me feel bad, you know. I got friends or family that's Jehovah Witness, Mormon, etc. And when I call them a cult, you feel like, oh, I don't love them. No, I do love them. Please pause with the music. Listen, I need you to hear that. I want everybody to hear this. Just for these top three, just for these top three. I'm hearing feedback. Please cut it. I want everyone to hear this. For these top three, listen to me. If you can find a Roman Catholic priest, a Muslim leader, an imam. We, remember when we went to the, uh, the mosque? Remember? Did, did, did we back down on what we're saying now? No, we said the same thing, right? Did he have any answers to what we were saying? He, did he put us out of there? He told us to leave, right? We went there, told us to leave. You know why? Because his sister became a Muslim. And we said, you ain't getting the whole story, sister. Let us go before your leader and have a discussion. Did I ever raise my voice? Did I ever call him a name? No, but he said, we're done. You know why? Because I brought Sam Shimon with me, an expert in Islam. And I began to go through the Quran with him and her being there. And I said, what do you say about this? What do you say about this? Slap your wife if she doesn't listen to you. What do you say about this? What do you say about slave women being captive to their house? What do you say? And he said, okay, we're done. Okay, but listen to him. I want every church member here to listen to me. If you can find a Catholic priest that will talk to me, I will pay his expenses to come here. Not a plane ticket, but gas to come here. Because if you think I'm telling you something that's incorrect, bring them to a lunch meeting or bring them here. If you can find a Muslim leader, bring. I wrote a book on it. Remember we went with the books? Jared's with me. We went down to the divan. We handed out the books to the imams, to the leaders, and we said, any one of the imam leaders who want to challenge this book will bring you here. Only one, this guy came. Only one guy, and still to this day they don't come. Or three, if you can get a Mormon or Jehovah Witness to come here or come to my house or come wherever you want them to be, and you can just sit there and listen. I want you to decide for yourself. Does everybody get that? Because that's how much I love you. This is not some southern, well, we're right, and we're the only ones going to heaven. No, bring it on because we love you that much. Amen? Cue the soft music, and let's get ready to pray. Oh, Father, help us. Would you just close your eyes and focus on Jesus, the real Jesus, the Son of God, the one who was crucified, buried, and rose again on the third day. Would you focus on him? 
Would you right now just lift up your heart to the Lord and say, Lord, is there anything in my life that I believe that's not true? Jesus said, my disciples know the truth, and the truth makes them free. It sets them free. Come on, if you're here today, don't act like you're better than anybody else. Maybe there's things in your heart that you're believing that's not true or in my life. Don't we all want to know the truth no matter the cost? So let's just open up our hearts and say, Lord, I don't want to be deceived. I don't want to be deceived. Guide me into all truth. You're the way, the truth, and the life. Show me your paths. And now as you're praying that, if you're confident that Jesus is who he said he is, you may not understand everything about doctrine, but you just believe who Jesus said he is. Will you pick one of the ten groups that we just prayed for today and start praying for some folks that they'll come to Jesus? Come on, this is not about who's better, the Cubs or the Sox or Miami Heat or another team. No, man, this is life and death. This is heaven or hell. We care about our Catholic friends. We care about our Muslim friends. We want people to come to Jesus. We're not better than them. Come on, we're just saved by grace. Pick one of those groups and pray for people. Lord, we pray for peace in the Middle East. We pray for this spirit of Islam to loose the people of Iraq and Afghanistan and Nigeria where they're terrorizing the innocent people, where Christians are being drove out of their homes. Oh, God, we pray, Lord, for those of our family members who are Roman Catholics, who all they're doing is just cutting off the ends of the ham because someone else told them to do it. They don't know where these idols came from. They don't know why there's a pope that claims to be a vicar. They don't know those things. Lord, we pray they get to know you. You save them. You deliver them, Jesus. And for all these missionaries that come knocking on our doors from Mormons and Jehovah Witnesses, Lord, we pray we'll invite them in. Preach the gospel to them. Share God's love. Tell them the true story of creation and who Jesus is. Lord, I pray for some of these liberal churches that are ordaining homosexuals, saying it's okay to kill your babies. No, it's not, Lord. I love homosexuals. I love the gay community. But, Lord, I can't approve of a thing you call a sin. We, we pray you save Belmont and Clark. Save the community. Do it just like you did me. If you could save me, you could save them. And, Lord, we pray. For, for our Christian friends who look at televangelism and are so brought in by it, but yet they have no true faith. They have no true backbone. I pray they raise up to be disciples. Stop being wishy-washy like, like they're leaders. Stand up for truth. And Lord, I pray for all the people who find encouragement from Oprah Winfrey, that Lord, they'll find encouragement from you. And that you'll save Oprah. You'll bring her back to that childlike faith where she used to believe you were the only way. Where she used to believe that there was something different about Jesus because he died on the cross for sinners. And Lord, as we prepare to go to the Philippines in December, and this Antichrist has built a compound and convinced people he's literally you. He's convinced them he's Jesus. Oh, God, give us wisdom for these people, the villagers, and for the people of the Philippines, that the eyes of their understanding would be open. He's just a man who's lying to them.